I want to share some thoughts on Sabbath today. And this is something that um, I don't feel I've done particularly well, and yet I, I look at it as being a very important issue. And so I just want to walk through some of the Old Testament um, teachings on it, and then I'd like to, to look at what the New Testament did and then just say, you know, what are some of the things that we need to grasp for ourselves in regard to this? Um, <laughs> did you laugh when I <laughs> said I haven't done that all that well? Um, yeah, a daughter could say that. <laughs> Let's start with Genesis. Because God does and blessed the seventh day and made it holy because God rested from his work and all that he'd done on creation. Now, when we read this, my natural response, well, he was tired, but that doesn't fit with my understanding of God. But part of it is, is that if you find a lot of worth of, out of what you're doing, why would you stop doing? And, and so there's one of these principles that in some ways, God was saying that the time itself without doing is just as valuable as the time when he was doing, creating, doing his work. And that's, uh, that's something to just, you know, he was finished with the creating, he was finished with his doing, and then he just decides, I'm going to take some time off. And in that... You know, we would look at it as time when we can refocus or we can deal with things that we really didn't deal with when we're doing, but we're heavily involved in the material world when we're doing, so to speak. And to just stop and do nothing at times can be incredible. I had this ready to go last week, and then we canceled service. And I decided that I would take a day off. That's a lot tougher than it looks. Char had the phone, so there was no <laughs> messaging. Um, I decided not to come over and get on the computer. Um, and then you're going to go, okay. You know, and, and, and yet, sometimes it's that quiet or that nothingness, so to speak, that really tunes us into the unseen. The unseen in our thought life, but also the unseen world. Because sometimes there, you know, one of the dynamics of Sabbath is that it was a holy day, but in some ways it draws us back to holy, and there are times when we, in a sense, push back sin that we've committed or just kind of ignore, you know, well, keep busy, keep busy, keep busy listen to something, do something, so I don't have to think about what's going on. And then when we stop, there's this gush, so to speak, of, of things that come back out that you're saying, I thought I chose to ignore that, and you're going, well, I guess I can't ignore it. But to really walk through that into health is a privilege that God has given us. So what I want to do uh, as we walk through this, there are I saw a post recently, somebody says, anybody else feel guilty about taking a half day off? 
And uh, I, I looked at that and I thought, that's not health. But a, a, a thing that is linked to me in this, uh, as I've been chewing on this, is that idolatry in the Old Testament was tied to fear. Because it wasn't just worshiping the created things, but it was, it was these, these offerings were being made to deities with the idea that it would allow fertility in the land and fertility in their families, and if they didn't do it, they might have a bad crop or things wouldn't work out. So there was this fear saying, I've got to do something. And so part and parcel tied to this idea of idolatry is the fear that if I'm not active or if I'm not doing, that it won't work out. So in some ways, the challenge even with Sabbath is to say, I'm not going to do anything and it'll work out. Um, I'm going to play a brief video, just because I know you like videos. Uh, this is a Jewish understanding of Shabbat. Or maybe you're not Jewish, and you want to better appreciate what your friend is up to or why your coworker leaves early on Fridays. Let's look at two things. Why people do Shabbat and how. Okay, so why? It's the single most important building block of living a Jewish life, according to pretty much everyone. The Torah explains in chapter 1 that God created the world in six days and on the seventh day ceased from creating. So to mark that and appreciate creation, Jews cease creating things as well. We live life in the realm of space, going places, making things, buying and fixing stuff. We have to focus on the physical world on a day-to-day -day basis, and sure, we can do it mindfully, but Shabbat is a maneuver into the world of time. Letting go of making and buying and fixing is entering what Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel famously called a palace in time. It's hard to set aside the phone, the email, the cleaning, the errands, but that's the whole point, to set aside the time for something holy. It not only connects you to God, but also to yourself and the whole of the Jewish people. It creates a rhythm to life with the seventh note of rest time. Now, to the how. People talk about Shabbat being a day of not working or a day of rest. Jewish tradition actually defines 39 categories of creating-ish work, planting, building, hoisting stuff around that you're supposed to refrain from on Shabbat. And traditionally observant Jews extrapolate from that to mean no emails, no errands, no driving, cooking, or using technology. It's more than what's not done. Making Shabbat, or as you might hear it said, keeping Shabbos, means making sacred time. People bring in Shabbat by lighting candles at sundown and go from a dinner with challah and wine and singing to a morning maybe spent at services hearing about the Torah portion, to a big lunch with friends or a picnic in the park, there are naps, strolls around the neighborhood, books, text study, games, lots of low-key pastimes. It ends at nightfall on Saturday with a candle-putting-out ritual called Havdalah. There are tons of ways to celebrate Shabbat. And if you want to know more specifics about challah, candles, or songs, or how to say some of the blessings, we have plenty of resources for you. Heschel said that things do not look... What I wanted to point out with this is that... Um, this idea of a place and time is really a, a critical idea, that uh, time is just as valuable as things are doing. Um, and, and so 
discovering the unseen and the unknown through that time, so to speak, is crucial. Um, it's a prioritizing of time so that it, whether you're creating or not, it's still valuable. And that's one of the things I, I definitely want to get across. Now, that big list, that kind of uh, gets to us, doesn't it? I mean, that's a lot of don'ts, right? Um, I want, and just I should note, the Old Testament understanding of Sabbath was from sundown to sundown. So it wasn't uh, starting in the morning like our days do. Okay, and they didn't. Uh, they were to practice the Sabbath uh, in planting and in harvest. So even in the most intense times of their lives, they were to practice it. So that says, you know, the busyness isn't just a reason to not do. Uh, in fact, they, they weren't to uh, spend a lot of time on food. They were actually to have it cooked already or, or not cooked. They weren't to be lighting fires. Uh, uh, there's just a lot of things. But I, what I want to walk through is just uh, kind of the sequencing and then say, Maybe they didn't have it quite so bad, even though they had all these don'ts. Uh, fourth command, you know, the, the big ten, right? Uh, six days you shall labor, the seventh day is Sabbath to the Jehovah your God. You shall not do any work. Okay, so that's Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. Three times a year, they were supposed to get to the place of worship where everybody was gathered. So it was like these harvest festivals, um, so, actually, it was like a vacation. So, three weeks a year, they would, they would be gathering together. And it was kind of a time to reboot, to get to, to refresh. Uh, in fact, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you don't need, it's almost like a, a, a body cleansing as well there was, that was going on. So, there was, there was a lot of uh, things of just saying, you, you, you restart every so often. What gets even wilder is that they were told every seventh year you're to take a year off. Some of you are starting to dial in. I could do that, even if there were 39 rules, you know. And then every 50th year was to be a year of jubilee. And they based their business practices on that so that the land came back to the people and, it, and their they sometimes, they didn't necessarily have employment like we do, but they had slavery where if, if you needed money, you could sell yourself to someone and, and they would provide money while you did labor for them. In the year of Jubilee, you were to be set free and to go back home. So again, you're going, every 50th year, that, that sounds okay to me too. It... Uh, it's interesting that, you know, you're going, well, how serious was this? When they caught a wood gatherer, when the people were in the wilderness and they caught this wood gatherer collecting wood on the Sabbath, they stoned him to death. So that's fairly serious, right? Then there's the thing of Jeremiah making a prophecy and saying, because you didn't take the Sabbath years, you're going to be hauled off into captivity for 70 years, one year for every year that you didn't take. And so the, the playing out of that prophecy is when they're hauled into Babylon, they're there 70 years 
and it says the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. So it, it was a big deal in the Old Testament, okay? Let's jump to the New Testament. My impression is that the Sabbath wasn't uh, as significant a teaching in the New Testament because like the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus ups the ante and he elevates things, in the New Testament practice, there was a lot of day-to-day activity in regard to worship for God. And in fact, regularly you see them, them participating every day, and so the idea of having to just do Sabbath once every seven days, um, they were exceeding that. And, and so it wouldn't necessarily be quite the same or the, as needful even as what the Old Testament had produced. In Mark 7, Jesus makes a a powerful statement, though. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so what he's teaching us is that this wasn't to just be bondage on your lives. This wasn't to be a, a, a troublesome thing. This was put in place to bless you. This idea of rest and taking time off actually was for your benefit. And so if we can't find a sense of joy in taking some time off, we need to ask ourselves, what's going on? And and am I really in a form of idolatry where I'm fearful that if I take any time, this won't work out? And I I won't get done what I need to get done? Or is this, you know, is there another factor in this that I need to be aware of? So joy is certainly should be an appropriate part of our rest in the Lord. Um, Going on. Jesus also made note that there are exceptions to the rule. And and he just made the comedy. He was challenged in regard to healing. He was getting chewed out by people for healing on the Sabbath. He's going, give me a break. You know, you, you, you would... That's a paraphrase. Um... If, if you had an ox or a donkey, wouldn't you lead them to water on the Sabbath? Of course, you're going to give them a drink. It's appropriate. And then another scripture, he says, you know, if your child fell in a well or an animal fell in a well, you'd get them out on the Sabbath. It's a crisis. Do something. So he's saying it's not, it's not about these picky things. But we have to have an understanding of what the, the joy of this is and what the design of it is. He goes on and says, the priests violate the Sabbath every Sabbath because they're carrying out the sacrifices and such. That's kind of like you children's workers or you worship teamers that are working on your day off or Sunday, right? I mean, there's there's a certain chore to it, and yet it's part of what the rest of us benefit from in it. Let's go on. Jesus, just this idea of daily stuff. Jesus taught daily in the temple. Paul, he spent three months in Ephesus teaching daily. Uh, and uh, his habit was to practice the Sabbath. That's, that's another thing uh, we're going to get into just a bit. How do we get to Sunday? But uh, it, it goes on in the church itself. In Acts 16, it says they increased in numbers daily. 
uh, in Acts 17, it says that the Bereans studied the Scripture daily just to see if things were right. So their, their lives were, were caught up in this. And so what, uh, to them, it wasn't so much about the day even in that point in the New Testament church. But they, their, their whole lives, in a sense, were developed into this worship. And so um, that, you know, takes us to the point that I'm saying, well, what, how did we get to Sunday? Glad you asked. <laughs> There's, um, there aren't many scriptures that refer to the, the Lord's Day or the first day of the week or resurrection day. But Jesus did resurrect on the first day. And it does appear that uh, the, the church was meeting on the first day of the week. Paul says in one place, take an offering the first day of the week uh, so that you can have something ready to give. Um, but it turns out that in 321 AD, uh, the Roman Emperor Constantine developed the seven-day calendar. And the names are, it's kind of convoluted because they, they knew of five planets plus the sun and moon, and they had named their days off of that, or it came out of ancient thought, and they were named after foreign deities. But Constantine labeled Sunday as a day of rest. And that's kind of the habit that, that we have embraced and been in for, since that time. But uh, going on, I want to read a, just a few more verses. Paul says this in Colossians. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So he's, he's not saying this is a law that you've got to abide by each and every week and each and every time this way, but He's saying, this is a shadow that we participate in that's something even grander and more wondrous. There is the promise of entering into God's rest. And so there is this opportunity for us, even in this lifetime, to physically demonstrate what we anticipate being in a future. There's an opportunity to back off and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this day, I'm going to trust you with this time so that I can refresh, so to speak, in you. And as we do that, as we shut things off, as we slow things down, as we back off, there's that opportunity for us to, to actually hear from the Lord and hear, in a sense, what's going on in our lives. And so it becomes critical that we embrace that. Um, I, can, I have a distinct memory as a kid when uh, we were on vacation, my family had gone to a lake, and my dad, he wrestled with what to do with us kids on those days. And I remember him taking a nap on Sunday afternoon and, and wanting us kids to. Well, the lake is 50 feet away. And us kids didn't need physical rest very much. And so it was this fight, right? And, and I remember him, at first he says no, then he says yes, and then he's not sure, and I, can, I, I still have that memory of his, him wrestling through, what do I do? 
not saying that, but one of the few times that he wavered, so to speak. And yet, I, I look at that and I go, it's not even about just physical rest. It's body, soul, mind, and strength. Resting in the Lord is about the whole being. And so there are times when we need physical rest. There are times when we need our mind to just back off. There are times when we need to listen to our soul. There's times when we've got to hear something from the Spirit or in the Spirit. You know, that, that is something, again, where we, okay, if we don't have laws that we have to follow, but what is appropriate for our lives? You know, if, if the bulk of Scripture has had some kind of practice this way, then certainly there's a, an importance even now for us. But taking it into our setting, what do we do with it? And, and so it's that thing of, okay, am I able to back off from things with joy? Am I able to rest body, soul, mind, and strength? You know, am, am, I, am I taking the time necessary for such things? In Hebrews, it says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves. <laughs> I should read what's on there instead of what I remember. Let us, not cons- let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So again, he says, there's tremendous value at coming together. Finally, out of Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is making this declaration about rest and saying, I have an appropriate load for you. I have a way of instructing you. I have a way of giving you peace. Some of that is going to be taking time off. If you've noticed, I don't wear a watch. Um, In one of my first ministry jobs, it was very, very stressful. And I found myself looking at it every few minutes because I was just feeling this intense, I've got to get this done, got to get this done, got to get this done. It was a compulsive thing. It wasn't healthy. But I finally said, if I keep wearing this thing, it's going to kill me. And I haven't, haven't worn one since on a regular basis. It, it was one of those things where even though it was ministry, it wasn't health. And I had failed to embrace that God had rest and that I didn't have to practice an idolatry, an idolatrous fear that not enough would get done. Now, a lot of times, it's our own pride that drives us, right? And we don't want others to think that we're lazy or we don't. You know, there's so many things connected to it. But what I really want to do is just encourage you, there is a way to deal with this in the Lord, and it's appropriate. It used to, uh, it used to drive me nuts in the first church I was in. When summer came along, all... Many of the families were involved in 
Future of Farmers of America, FF, FFA, yeah. And every Sunday they would have an activity. And of course, as a pastor, it just would frost me. Uh, but I'm going, you know, you're all Christians doing this. If you just said, we're not coming on Sunday, they'd find another way of doing this. But there are different challenges for today, right? Different challenges for you. Different challenges to figure out how do we back off and what really is important. How do we make time just as precious as material? How do we you know, treat rest as important as activity? You know, if God, if God saw it as just as valuable and his identity wasn't just tied to creating, maybe there's something to learn from him. <laughs> just a suggestion. Um, so we prioritize in those times what really matters. You know, we get to, to back off and just say, okay, what's more important? The things that I do or the, the people? What's more important? You know, God, <laughs> my, my spouse, my family, the community. You know, how do I sort those things out? And it's only going to be when you back off enough to actually listen and hear what he's saying for your life. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's just quickly walk through. Sabbath is for body, soul, mind, and strength. Sabbath seeks the holy. Sabbath should enjoy. And so in that, there's joy, there's holiness, there's rest. Lord, help us. Why is it there's so much psychosis in our day? Some of it is because we haven't handled things the way we need to. Okay. So, Lord, we, we've looked at your scripture. Now bring these truths home to us. We pray that you'd give us an understanding as to what you desire for our lives to bring us into the fullness of the person you've designed us to be. For those here that have wrestled with um, taking any time off or that fear that, that, that not enough will get done, I pray that you begin to, to pull that away from them and give them a peace that you see and care and have provided and will provide even in the inactivity of a day. Amen. Tell one more story. When I was in college, I was working at a paper mill, and I had the opportunity to work a double on Sunday. Well, that was double time, double hours. So that was four days' wages in, in one day. And uh, then the quandary, do I work at all? Do I? I chose to. I was a college student. I needed the money, and I felt like I had freedom in the Lord to do that. Some of you are scheduled to work on Sundays. You don't have that option, you know. God sees that. But he still calls you to find a time <laughs> to back off enough to listen. And that's the challenge. Others do really wrestle with fear that if they take any time off, they're not going to accomplish their dreams or goals. And you got a problem. <laughs> you need to deal with it. Sometimes the technology, as wonderful it is, 
become so such a bondage to us that it's like every time that thing pings or every time we stop for a second, we got to click and find out. And it'd be really valuable to just set it aside for some time. Challenge yourself, you know. Or why is it that you need somebody to like whatever you've posted? You know, maybe it's important to just say that's not truly as important as backing off. That's what I'm throwing out. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to work for your kingdom, but also to rest in you. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.